welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm joined as I am every week by the proud proprietor of the Bell and Hand Tavern, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, what is the Bell and Hen Tavern? That's got to be a. There's a reference there that I don't know. There is. It's an actual place in Boston that I saw when I was up there. Um, but there's. It's a. It's based on a colloquialism from England that I'll have to talk to you about after the show. Ooh, it's, it's not safer on air, but suffice it to say, it's really funny to those who get it. So, <laughs> be, being as you're showing off your lingual skills tonight. I think I'm I'm going to take your cigar and I'm going to introduce it for you. All right, because this is a I'm going to take a cigar that's a five and a half, and by the time you light it, it's going to be a six. So imagine, if you will, you're sitting in your deer stand. You've waited ten long months for this morning. Your trusty muzzleloader Lucille is seated across from you, comfortably awaiting it. The day before, you're at the cigar shop, and all the guys say. Are you going to be back in time for the game? Of course. I'm going to kill my deer about 8.30, and then I'll be back in time for the game. Well, about 7.45, you realize your stand's not in a great place, and the chances of killing your deer at 8.30 are slipping away, so you produce the Laranja. Laranja meaning orange. So you... Are you, do you want to enjoy this cigar, or do you want to correct me? I'm, no, I'm. go for it. Keep going. I know you're, you're dying to correct my nope. Spanish on that one. Nope, we're okay. good. Laranja, orange and Spanish. You looked and seen that in the humidor this morning, and you pulled it out and put it into your orange vest. Seemed appropriate. <laughs> now, this is where you separate the master hunter from the apprentice hunters. Let's call him AJ. The master hunter sets in his stand... 708, cigar in hand, the deer comes trotting down the trail towards you. Now, the apprentice hunter in this case drops his cigar, fumbles around for his gun, sets the shooting house on fire, potentially shoots an endangered animal. Shoots the shooting house shoots in the, the shooting house. Yeah, the, the amateur totally falls apart, but the master hunter. I calmly set my Laranja down waiting first for the deer to step off the trail so that he couldn't see the motion of me changing. I noticed the direction the wind blows the smoke off of my cigar, adjust for windage, pull my gun up, prop my cigar in the perfect place. I reach for Lucille. Lucille reaches for me. I snug my cheek against her butt rest, get a good weld. Easy. This is a family show. (laughs) The deer walks out, take a deep breath, exhale half of it out, and squeeze the trigger ever so softly. Boom. Deer down. Look at my watch. 8.30 on the dot. (laughs) Immediately start texting everybody at the cigar shop. Told you so, told you so. 8.30 on the dot. So knock my deer down at 8.30. And I was smoking that cigar. So, So as you're... This, so as you're smoking that cigar, just think about that you're the one that killed the deer. Okay. And that now, you do you calmly... have any real information about the cigar itself, or oh, is this yeah. all just self-aggrandizing? You want more. <laughs> you want more. No, I... I've already gotten more than I can handle, thank you very much. <laughs> you, I've, I've told you about, you know, I, I, I looked longingly into Lucille's scope, and it looked back. You're the only person who can make a hunting story X-rated. I don't know how you pulled that off. <laughs> 
So it's a Nicaraguan cigar. It's got a Brazilian wrapper and the binder and filler all Nicaraguan. Okay. Um, actually, a really enjoyable cigar. I didn't even know it was an Espinosa till I looked it up because, hey, fine folks at Espinosa. If you're going to put a cigar out, put your name somewhere on the stinking wrapper. Well, but the thing is, they have been really hyping up this cigar for a long time. You're going to have to show that to somebody with better eyes than me. That's, it says Espinosa. Okay, I'll take your word for it. basically what I'm showing you. Um, no, but th- this has been a flagship cigar for them for a long time. Since before I ever saw them in a humidor, I started following them online. This is going back years and years ago. And this was kind of their flagship. So it's it's really kept them. They've done some really fun stuff. They did the La Bamba as well, which mm-hmm. was the cigar with the fuse, uh, the nunchuck. They've done some really fun Vitola gimmicky kind of stuff, but the cigars always back it up. Uh, Espinosa is one of those cigars that if you find it in a humidor, it's worth picking up. You're not going to find it everywhere. It's, it's really select shops only. But I really like what they do. Well, I'm more prone to reach for the Ron Han now than I've ever been. You know, it was in my gift bag at Tampa. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's why I have one. But um, really pleased with that cigar. I really enjoyed that cigar. So while you liked your cigar, since you since you were enraptured by my description to such a great degree, you couldn't operate a lighter, and how you kept jerking it up and down for some reason. But I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm getting the bird while he lights his cigar for longer than 10 seconds. Let the record show that this this bird lasted longer than 10 seconds. So tonight, I'm turning the tables on my wife. You stole one of her cigars? I, I gave the lab a piece of bacon. He sold her out for a piece of bacon, showed me the location of her cigar basket, and I snuck out a Southern Draw Desert Rose. So we actually bought these in Tampa there at the Southern Draw booth. These weren't a freebie. These were actually for sale. But Robert and his wife were super nice to us, and the, the La Rosa Sharon is one of my favorite cigars anyway, so the Desert Rose just makes sense. The um, wrapper is in Ecuadorian Connecticut. It's a Nicaraguan binder and a Dominican and Honduran filler. A lot okay. going on in this cigar. Yeah. But... The Rosa Sharon I really enjoy, but it's super mild. This is that step up. I've smoked half of one of these. Okay. So I've I've swiped one from Glenda to smoke tonight. Now, does she know about this ahead of time, or is she going to find out about this when you two are sitting on the back porch on Saturday? I don't plan on telling her. Okay. (laughs) And she don't cook bacon well enough to bribe Ace, so I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm in the clear. No, you're in the doghouse now is what just happened. But go ahead while I light this fine cigar. All right. Well, we do. We've got a, an action-packed show this week. Uh, just the two of us back uh, for the first time in a while. So we've got lots of content to get to. We've got a couple of new releases we want to hit. Uh, we've got some cigars in the news. Uh, a great story about what Fuente is doing for charity, uh, and possibly a pairing guide if we have time to get to it. So. Um, I guess I want to start with the uh, the new releases because that was what I was most excited about this week, uh, and and because I don't want to jump straight into legislative updates, so we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I'm going to start with the one that I know you feel the strongest about, which is the Hoya de Nicaragua Hoya Copper that they just announced uh, today, actually. Right. The article I got is from Cigar Journal. Uh, that's the one I pulled as well. 
basically, this is the next in their line. You know, you and I both really like the red, the black, and the silver. With the silver and the black kind of being tied for first place for me, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Cabanetta. I think it's great for what it is. It doesn't hit my palate. I think you like that one a bit more than I do. Yeah, I like the Cabanetta. Um, actually, the Cabanetta is probably my favorite. Cabanetta or the silver would be my ties for number one and number two. Yeah. And then I like the red and the black is probably my least favorite. Okay. Yeah, see, the the black is, is probably... I, I would say the silver is my favorite. Black is, is maybe second place, but just, just a close second. Uh, it's a Nicaraguan wrapper, binder, and filler. They don't really give us much more than that in terms of what the makeup is. But, and I think we're getting to the part that is why you've got your ire up so hard. Uh, this is going to be released at Cigars International in at their store in the Colony, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas, uh, kind of out by the airport, and then being released online uh, starting January of 2020. So this is what's interesting. Why add to your line and then do such a limited release? Um, this, to me, this feels like Swisher is finally sticking their nose into Drew Estate's business. You know, we keep seeing guys like Fabian leaving and, Will, you know, not Willie hadn't left, but you see um, the artist left. What's yeah. his name? Uh, yeah, the, the subculture studio guy. Yeah, Jesse, yeah. Jesse Flores. Yeah, thank you. He left, and you start seeing these Drew Estate guys drifting away, and then you start seeing stuff like this that feels real businessy happening. Um, November 13th could be the beginning of the end for Drew Estate. I don't know. I don't think you can call this a limited release. I mean, yes, it starts out only being in one store in Dallas. But starting the beginning of the year, so a mere month and a half from now, it's you get an automatic national release all at once with no shipping. Now, you and I are brick-and-mortar fans. We are firm supporters of the brick-and-mortar model, and that has is what has made the cigar industry so great to this point. I don't necessarily like the idea of a manufacturer so boldly laughing in the face of the core of the industry. However, from a business perspective, I kind of get it. But here's my thing. This is not, hey, we've got this really great guy, Joe. Joe's cigars and mowers. Um, he's struggling a little. He could use some help. Let's let's us nice guys here at Drew Estate, let's create this man a cigar. Let's put him on that. No, this is the biggest cigar seller in the freaking world, and they're they're buddying up to him. This smacks of Swisher Sweet corporate. I can't believe I'm the one arguing corporate espionage instead of you. Well, I, but I will say this. Um, uh, on on your side of this, MSRP for the Robusto is seven ten. The Toro is seven eighty. That's that's brick and mortar prices. I mean, if you look at what the black, the red, and silver in the Cabanetta cost in your local humidor, it's right around that seven to eight dollar mark. So it's not even like you're getting a discount by ordering online. It's offered exclusively online, but at the same price point of the rest of the line in the brick and mortar. So how does that? Yeah, and I guess that's that's my part of my. That's just serving to make my point. This feels like Cigars International and Swisher Sweets making a deal, and we're getting away from the artesian ways of Drew Estate and the subculture. The 
the they're finally becoming the man. Yeah. Do you think this is them trying to get ahead of the curve, preparing for what may lie ahead? I mean, because let's face it, you know, we've been staring at these FDA regulations for six years now, uh, since well, since 2014, I think 13 or 14. Is this them finally seeing the writing on the wall that when that passes, it's going to negatively impact and affect um, you know, brick and mortar to the point that everything's going to migrate online, so let's get ahead of it and prepare people for the, the idea that that's where your cigars come from from now on? I don't think so. I actually think the legislation is going to hit brick and, brick and mortar less than it's going to hit online retailers. Because they're going to really lower the boom on online retailers to be sure they can't sell cigars to miners. Yeah, but I don't. But I think where the the people who are going to be hit the hardest are the manufacturers. So that's going to result in higher prices to the consumer, which is going to be most reflected in the brick and mortar environment because you've got more overhead, so you've got higher prices inherently. The the big guys like Cigar International and. Uh, Thompson Cigar, those guys, they'll be able to weather that storm much easier than your brick-and-mortar network. It'll depend. It's going to depend. It'll be interesting. I still think we're getting the premium cigar exemption. I think that's coming. I think that'll come out at the last minute. But it makes too much sense not to. You know, they've done a great job. The cigar industry has done a great. Cigar Rights of America have done a great job of educating people. Vaping, cigarettes, cigars. Apples, pears, bananas. Yeah. They're all fruit, but they're all different. I yeah. mean, it, it, I think that's what they've done well, and I think that'll I think that'll pay dividends. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And um, so so wanna talk while we're talking about new releases, we've got another one that you brought to my attention. I actually didn't see this, but this is a Miami cigar new release that looks is a re release if I remember correctly, right? So, when you listen to the show with Nate McIntyre, Nate could not talk this cigar up enough. Right. You know, Nate really, and Nate's such a good salesman, he really kind of lit a fire under me that I can't wait to smoke this cigar. Same. And all, and it's the Don Lino Africa. Um, it's actually a collaboration with A.J. Fernandez. Which is, you know, got my attention immediately. Yeah, you know. A La Aurora, one of my favorite cigars. A lot of things Miami does, I really enjoy. And uh, um, Aganorsa Leaf has kind of been in, ahead of them this year for me, but Miami's come up pretty well. And I uh, will have to remember for the Stogies to get the manufacturer of the year. Okay. And because uh, Aganorsa Leaf is came is going to be hard to beat in that range. They are. They they absolutely are. They have done some really good stuff. This, but I'm I'm excited about this. I like. That it's a uh, Habano wrapper, uh, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, Cameroon binder, and Piloto Dominicano Ometepe Jalapa and Esteli fillers. There's a lot going on in this cigar. There is, but I like that they call it the Africa and they put Cameroon in it. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, you would be. It would be very silly if you didn't. I'm a huge fan of Cameroon, and th- the thing with Cameroon is it's really hard to get it right because it's it's. It's got such a unique, almost sweet flavor, and I can't think of a company that historically always gets it right more than La Aurora Miami Cigar. Yeah, Cameroon's tough to work with. 
you know, it's like Sumatra. It's just a tougher tobacco. Some tobaccos blend easily, and some tobaccos take a little work. Mm-hmm. Cameroon takes a little work to really be able to do that. But the Don, they're shipping the Don Lino Africa. Um, I'll, I'm interesting. Austin's floating around here. I'm going to have to yell at him and find out when we're getting these, why they aren't here already. You know, all that good stuff. Interestingly, the price differential per size is a bit bigger than I'm used to seeing, which makes me think that at least one or two of these leaves must be fairly expensive to work with. Typically, you don't see a variance. You know, the 4x40, which is, granted, a very small cigar, is $5.98 retail, and then the Grand Toro is 6x60 at $11. So that's... You know, that's $5 swing from the smallest to the biggest size. That's that's quite a differential. That's a pretty big move. That's a, that's a pretty huge thing. So coming moving forward, any other new cigars you would like to mention? Anything good you smoked this week? How do you like the Laranja? Stop I'm, and tell me about I'm, the Laranja. I'm really enjoying this. It, uh, it's such a well-balanced cigar. You know, that's one of the things that I find... It's not, it's probably, in, it's, I'd call it a medium. I'd call it a square medium. And it's just, I'm getting a little bit of a stovepipe, but not enough that it's affecting the burn. I think I'm just smoking a little quickly. But it's just, it's really delivering. We've got, I'm sure the listeners can hear how loud it is in here tonight. Well, There's the- a lot of energy. There's a lot of smoke in the air as a result of that. So I'm not really able to dedicate my palate to it the way I would like. But I'm really enjoying... I can I can see why this was such a good cigar for the situation in which you enjoyed it earlier this week. Oh, yeah. You know, I was sitting in the stand, and it was cold, and it was crisp, and it was perfect. And, you know, my stand I built with Radiant Barrier Plywood, so whatever heat is in there stays in there very well. So... I'm fairly, you know, in 20 degrees, I'm still fairly comfortable in there. Right. I wear Nomad gear, so I have no... By the way, it's community service to everybody out there. Never buy another piece of Under Armour gear as long as you live. You don't need it. Buy Nomad. Yeah. Nomad is 20 times better and less expensive. Hmm. Still That's expensive. a CigarCast top tip. <laughs> yeah. Still expensive, but it's worth it. The quality you get out of Nomad is so amazing. I'm 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 Nomad repping today. You could sit out there all day and never. Oh yeah, yeah. I put on my bibs and my Nomad jacket. You know, this morning it was 17 degrees. I just put on my Nomad jacket and went walking with Ace. And I'll not actually. The worst part about it is I'll tend to sweat a little more right. while wearing. That's why. That's why when you're exercising in the winter, you dress for the last mile, not the first. Well, it's 17 degrees. The first mile is the last mile. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to let you and Ace both know that. But, but you are go- you are going to warm up, and yeah. especially in good gear. Yeah, but um, just a gr- it was the perfect smoke for that moment. Rarely ever does the perfect smoke and the perfect and and I had a choice. You know, I had a Padron in there, but it was a dark Padron, and it was a. And, the last batch of Padrones I got from Casa de Monte Cristo have been the darkest Maduro Padrones I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah? Have you noticed that? Have you picked up one of the, the 9,000 series up there and seen it? No. They don't, they don't carry the 4,000, which is my preferred size. Oh, okay. So I don't usually pull a Padron from their humidor. Okay. Well, they've been the darkest I've ever seen. But anyway, moving forward, let's talk about Fuente and Charity. All right. I really like this article from the Rob Report. So we've talked about... Basically, anytime we have a rep or someone from a cigar company 
come on. Everyone talks about their charity and their philanthropy, and we've talked a lot, you know, whether it's Cigars for Warriors or whether it's individual companies, how much charity is done through the cigar industry. But I really feel like no one does it better or more than the Fuentex. You know, it's interesting because this article features a lot of really interesting parts. I'd recommend everybody read it because it talks about Carlito Fuente and how he changed what was a mediocre cigar company into this giant that they are by taking different Vitolas and different sizes and special releases and and create... I mean, it was a marketing move. It's actually... He really did marketing right. Well, look at the Hemingway series as a perfect example of that. Hemingway was a Figurado fan. Uh, just famously was the only size cigar he smoked. So they decide to launch, even though Hemingway wasn't necessarily known for smoking Fuentes, they decide to launch the Hemingway line, and everything under it is only available in a Figurado. I mean, just a perfect match made in heaven. It's that foresight, it's that, that marketing genius that Carlos and Carlito have that really, you know, that, that explains why they account for more than $600 million a year. Well, and you just look at what they do with the Opus X. Um, the Opus X has come in here, and everybody but me can't wait to grab them. Mm-hmm. I'm not an Opus fan. But everybody but me can't wait to seem to grab them and get them. They, they snatch them up in a hurry. You know, one, one guy spent almost $2,000 here the other night on Opus. I was sitting there buying. But the it's interesting that that's the range that they went, that they did, instead of doing a Gurkha deal where they just try to beat you to death with their marketing, they really had a good, subtle marketing plan that they brought about in a very fruitful, fruitful way. And then they chose to reinvest it in their community. Yeah, so speaking of their community, I mean, the, the Fuente factory down in the Dominican is one of the largest cigar-producing factories in the world, they employ something like 4,000 people, you know, and a lot of those are multi-generational or even, you know, single, fa- multiple people within one family that all work for the same company. Um, and they're making 30 million cigars a year. I mean, yeah. that's no small feat. That's a lot of cigars. Well, and they started as an addition on an exi- on a wing on an existing school. Now it's a 23-acre cigar family complex. Yeah. Primary and secondary schools, healthcare center, organic farming program, sports and recreation, technical school, nursing programs. I mean, this is amazing. I really am impressed with how Fuente has has turned back into their community. But, you know, when I was there in the Dominican, that was one of the things I noticed. They really do seem to value that highly because the rum factory we went to was right next to an elementary school, and the elementary school was built by the money that come off the rum factory. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they really seem to understand how to reinvest into their neighborhood. It's it's an interesting cultural thing that they have there. And I wonder, and, you know, this article from the Rob Report really kind of puts a fine point on that because it talks about, you know, Carlos Fuente Sr., uh, the factory was originally located in Nicaragua, but then civil unrest uh, back in the 80s forced them to move out. So they moved to Honduras. Then their entire factory gets lost to a catastrophic fire, and then they moved to the Dominican. So they it's not like they just started making cigars and now they're drinking Mai Tais in the sun laying on the beach. They have continued to build and, and rebuild a couple of times. Uh, you know... I I think it's experiences like that that make someone more likely 
uh, or more, more focused on reinvesting in the community around them? It is. It's really interesting. I think it's a great deal. And I just wanted to mention that tonight because, to me, that's that speaks well. And, you know, we've said it before. Nobody's more generous than the cigar people. Exactly. You know, last two weeks ago, um, I'll have to tell this story real quick and then we can go to a break. Two weeks ago, I came here for the Tennessee game wearing the wrong shade of orange. And last Tuesday night, a person here brought me a super nice, correct orange Tennessee shirt. <laughs> and all, I now have a super nice shirt that is the correct shade of orange for the UT I noti- games. I noticed you wearing that the other day. I thought it was a bit surprising. That that explains it. Yes, okay. Yeah, it was, a, it was a gift from a friend, and I tried it on immediately, and it fit like a glove, and he he's a huge UT fan. And he wanted to be sure that if I was going to support his team, that I was supporting them in the proper shade of orange. Had, had you gone Texas? Uh, Auburn. Auburn. Oh, okay. Yeah, accidentally Auburn orange. And all. But let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about this legislative stuff and get that out of the way. Then let's talk about some fun stuff, pairing some cigars and some things like that. All right. We'll, we'll be back with that more after this. Trey here, and this week we're going to highlight this day in cigar history. In November of 1996, so we're talking about 23 years ago, uh, Cuba launched the Cuava brand, which at the time was the first new brand from the island in nearly 30 years. So uh, why this is kind of important, or, or interesting at least, this led way to the Vegas Rabana, the Trinidad, and the San Cristobal de la Habana. So things that we think of staples in the Cuban cigar realm have really only been around for about 23 years. You know, in a San Cristobal, Cuban is kind of an unsung hero. San Cristobal, by far, my favorite Cuban cigar. San Cristobal or Bolivar? Yeah. Both very good. So it's interesting that this November they actually launched it because, yeah, I thought that had been around since the dawn of time. But it's interesting that it comes up that they're only, what, 50 years old? Uh, 96, so 23. 23 years old. Yeah. So, everybody, grab you a San Cristobal if you can. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from Trey. Instead of a bump joke tonight, I've got a business proposal. We need to get a scanner. I need a three-dimensional scanner. I've been eyeing one for a while, actually. That way, I want to scan the way everybody holds their cigar. Because you look, there's, what, 30 people in here tonight, and nobody is holding their cigar the same way. Now, well, we've talked about that before. It's a very personal thing. Well, and hence my business proposition, for a nominal fee, we will scan your hand holding a cigar. That way, in the event you ever lose that hand in a tragic accident of some sort, we can have a prosthetic built in the shape and hinged properly to hold a cigar. I like it. You know, that way. Just 3D printed prosthetics of your cigar hand. Of your cigar hand. All you do is you insert cigar here. Now, you'd need some sort of a tensioner because, you know, different size cigars. We'll, we'll, we'll work out the details in post. But I think if we scanned everybody's cigar hand, I mean, first we could do a coffee table book the way people hold their cigars. 
what it says. You know, you see that chart every time you turn on Pinterest, what the way you say your hold your cigar says about you, which I think is full of bull. I, th- I think so, too. The way I hold my cigar says this is the easiest way to get it from my fingers to my mouth and back down without setting myself on fire. It also, it, to for me, it, it's... I change it up a little bit depending on what I'm doing while I'm smoking. You know, every once in a while I'll pinch grip it. Other times it's between my, you know, it just kind of depends on what I'm, what I'm doing as to how I hold it. Yeah, it's, it's just, I never pinch grip. I'm 90% of the time I'm holding it there. Sometimes if it's a bigger cigar, it gets a little deeper in between yeah. the knuckles. But most of the time it's out on the end of the fingers. But I really think there's a valid business there. I think we need to start scanning people's hands. We could write that off. I think your market is way... Doing anything for the cigar industry is a niche market to begin with. Now you're targeting amputees in the cigar industry? Well, no, I'm I'm targeting people with the potential to become amputees. Potential amputees. And are we not all potential amputees in this world we live in? And uh, how many times have you been opening a Mountain Dew and thought there was a real chance? Well, it, I, I think the chance is really dependent on how much time you spend near a thrusher. We, we just lost a listener. Some dude lost his hand opening a Mountain Dew. I'm not listening to them no more. <laughs> but anyway, all right, coming back, let's talk about this. So speaking of foolish people that are one in a million, let's talk about the House. House subcommittee passes bill banning online sales of tobacco products, flavored tobacco, and increased tobacco purchase age to 21. This is a tough thing for me because none of this stuff affects me. I rarely order cigars online. See, I buy cigars online fairly a couple times a month. But I guess I don't know. Do I, I don't guess I smoke as much as you do. You don't. And that's the thing is, you know, I, I cut my cigar budget in half a couple of months ago. And the way I was able to accomplish that was, one, reducing the amount of smoking I do. But the biggest part of that is for the everyday driving around town, you know, after lunch, kind of while I'm working cigar, I've started smoking some $2.50 medium short filler kind of nameless, you know, house blends of online retailers and actually i've had a few of them that are quite good well i think it tames your palate i think there i think it's you know you develop a palate for a lot of things you know um coffee i could develop a palate for coffee now i'm morally opposed to everything that goes on at a starbucks so i probably never will but i could develop there's so much more to life when it comes to coffee than starbucks i mean when we were up in new england it was one of the things I enjoyed about it so much was that, yes, there were Starbucks everywhere, but in every little tiny town, there was an independent coffee shop and bakery. Yeah, but it's never easy to get to. It's always in an off-the-way location. It, it and was I'll... up there. It's not so much here, but I think that's a regional thing. I mean, he, here, even the the smaller ones are kind of regional multi-location. There's very few single-location mom-and-pop local coffee shops anymore so I, I'll give you that but but and also I'm, I'm morally opposed to paying five bucks for a cup of coffee that I can make for 32 cents at home fair enough I, I absolutely cannot imagine yeah but the quality of coffee that you're making for 32 cents at home is not nearly as good now I, I do think I don't think the differential in price is made up by the differential in quality but at the same time if you're making good coffee at home, you're still paying about a dollar a cup. 
Well, if my coffee at home was 30 cents and Starbucks was $2, I'd probably buy Starbucks all the time. Yeah. But my coffee at home is 30 cents and the coffee at Starbucks is $6. It's not really worth it. Yeah, but by the time you put your Carrie's gold and make it bulletproof and do all that, you've upped the cost of your cup of coffee at home anyway. Anyway, we're getting off topic. We're way off topic. So, um, In fact, we're actually going to come back to that in a minute. But for now, let's talk about these idiots in the House. So the House Representative Subcommittee passed H.R. 2339, also known as Reversing the Youth Tobacco Epidemic Act of 2019. Here's a thought. Just wild thought here. Um, What if we punish people for breaking the law instead of punishing people who are not breaking the law on behalf of the people who are? Right. Hey, instead of punishing people for breaking the law, let's make the law harder for them not to break. Right. That that really does not make any sense. And especially because it's the same, I mean, I, I don't know exactly who this one was introduced by and that sort of thing. Um, uh, I'll find it. It's down here. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Yeah, yeah. A Republican from Kentucky. I knew I saw it somewhere. These are the same people that say criminals don't follow gun laws, so you don't need to change your gun laws. And in the meantime, you're introducing a bill that says people aren't going to... People aren't going to follow tobacco laws, but we better change the tobacco laws. You can't have it both ways. Well, this comes back to, you notice, all the wording is worded to include vaping. So they want to steal money from people that want to smoke cigars and use it to stop kids from vaping. Yeah. That's really what they're after. Do we have an epidemic with children's drinking, children drinking underage? We absolutely do. Sure. So what, so what, what does the government do to counteract that? Each alcohol bureau in every individual state sets up sting operations where they send underage kids with fake IDs into liquor stores and bars to try and purchase. And then if they do, they find the establishment, they find the bartender, and that's where they do it with tobacco. Do the same thing with tobacco you do with alcohol. You can use the same kids. You don't even have to hire new kids. Yeah, especially if you raise the tobacco age to 21, which I'll I'll give you that if you'll leave the rest of it alone. Oh, if they leave leave it alone, because really, 18-year-olds don't need to be smoking cigars. And the other thing is I, I really hate the fact that they are attacking online sales in this because, as I mentioned, I buy from online all the time. And every time I order from an online retailer for the first time, they make me do a verification of my identity. So it's not just like when you go on to, to a cigar manufacturer's website and they go, are you of age? Yes. Okay. No, they actually run your, your, your driver's license number and, and verify it with the address on file and the shipping address to make sure it's coming to you and that you are who you are. So they're already doing validation of the, of the age of the person buying the cigars online. That's, that's enough. Well, and the thing is, banning the online sales is damaging from the fact, you know, we've got a listener that lives in the middle of nowhere, and all his cigars come via burrow. Yeah. Is the I, only I way. used to live in the middle of nowhere, and the only way I could get my hands on cigars with any regularity was either drive two hours up here or to get them online. Right. So, you know, I could understand the, the need for online cigar sales. I don't participate in it unless they got a great deal. You know, if they've got a steal on a box of cigars that I really like, I'll end up buying them that way. Right. But it's not a standard thing. Banning flavored tobacco products 
I still say the price is prohibitive of kids smoking. You know, yes, you may get more kids smoking a $6 Tatiana than a $12 Cuba. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the uh, basically it looks like they're targeting menthol cigarettes primarily in that, which I could get on my soapbox about why I think that's a bad idea. But it's, and it's kind of highlighted in the article, but I won't really go into it. But the thing is, you're, I, I, I don't think you can call flavored tobacco as a overreaching uh, um, label. Because there's a very big difference between groovy blues and a menthol cigarette. Or a, um, I mean, what is the, a Java, for example. Right. Yeah, a Java is a good cigar that happens to have a little flavor in it. Yeah. And all, unless we're talking about the red. Then it's flavored like NyQuil. But other than that, the other Javas are just a good cigar that has a little flavor. I can enjoy one of them every now and then. Not a big deal in my life. Yeah. Now, if you want to attack, you know, sweetened cigars, for example. I mean, granted, the Java kind of falls into that. But at least that you can say, okay, you're targeting kids because kids tend to gravitate towards sweetness as, uh, you know, what's it? Adam Carolla talks about the yummy phase Right. They of tend life. to be in the yummy phase. Yeah. You know, so maybe I'll, I'll I'll give you that, but I, you know, I just this this whole idea of let's change the laws to make it harder for people who are already obeying the laws to continue something that they want to do just drives me up a wall. Well, this is legislators saying, okay, we can't just set everybody down and say, hey, raise your kids decent, and you won't have these problems because then they won't vote for us. We have to try to act like we're going to raise their kids for them. Right. On a on a happy note. This Rose of Sharon Desert Rose just got good to me. I mean, it's really? been good, but now it's perfect. I'm You're not, in that final two inches. Yeah, that final two inches, and it's succulent. It's just so good, so rich. I'll have to steal you one. The um, aftertaste on the La Raja is so good. You know, we were talking to a listener uh, last week about a cigar that we had recommended to him. And he said, you know, after I'm done with it, I'm not getting that post-smoke enjoyment that I like out of a cigar. This one's giving it to me while I'm smoking it. This yeah. is I, this is a really, really good cigar. Is that your first Araja? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if they had just come out or if they'd been out a long time. It's been time. out for a while. Okay. But it's just impossible to get a hold of. Yeah, Espinosa is just not a widely distributed brand. They should do a little work in their distribution lines. And uh, Okay, coming on, let's talk about a cigar club. This is from the Daily Collegian, independently published by students at Penn State. How the Cigar Club at Penn State strives to celebrate cigar culture. You know, it's interesting because they got the meetings are held Tuesdays from 7 to 9 at Your Cigar Den, located on Calder Way. And they all smoke the same cigar. They take a vote at the previous meeting, and then they all smoke the same cigar that night. I think that's a great idea. I think it is, too. You know, we do it on the show very rarely, but it's always fun to get different people's opinions on the same, you know, because everyone's palate's a little different. Something that you love, I may not necessarily, or there's going to be cigars that we both love, both hate, or vice, you know, anywhere in between. I love the idea. They said there's about 10 regular... Oh, no! <laughs> Shane just dropped his cigar. That is a party foul of the highest. highest. That's okay. I just tapped it, so I'm in good shape. All right. 
Um, but there's about 10 or 12 consistent members that show up every week. Um, but the president of the club is a guy named Anthony Del Palazzo, and uh, he actually works at the cigar shop. And it kind of started with he and another guy uh, were both working at the cigar shop, said, hey, I want to I open this up to, to more people. Well, you know, a smoking group is a great ideal because it's so nice. You know, the world of A.J. Fernandez and um, Jaime Garcia's and things like that was really closed to me before I started this podcast. Right. And I've enjoyed them tremendously thanks to, you know, you showing me that and all. It's broadened my horizon. So I really love the ideal of a cigar club. I, I, I do, too. And I really love the fact that, you know, the, what was his name, Andrew? Anthony. It says in here that he's a junior nuclear engineering, or he's a junior at the university studying nuclear engineering. The other guy is an electrical engineering student, and there are people from other majors that it mentioned. So it's it's bringing people, you know, that that share the commonality of going to Penn State, but maybe don't have anything else in common. Right. Would never would never meet under standard circumstances. Now end up meeting. Once a week to have a cigar. Oh, Sean. Sean heard my cigar hit the floor from across the room and rushed over here to chastise me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the things that they do highlight, however, is the fact that recently uh, Penn State University, the president of the university, uh, enacted a tobacco ban on campus to the point that it's actually made it very hard for them to keep the club going because now the university doesn't want to endorse a student-led group that revolves around tobacco. So they've had to change the name to highlight more about the culture and the history of cigars rather than just the enjoyment of them. Well, it's a really cool article. It's a cool read. Go to the Collegian and take a look at this. Is it Collegian? Yeah, the Collegian, Daily Collegian. Collegian.psu.edu. It's the Penn State's uh, student paper. Go there and read the article. Really interesting article. I really enjoyed them talking about it. And, um, you know, we sit here and we smoke together all the time, and we always talk about our cigars a little, but generally we're talking about life's issues and, the you know, the main things that are causing the world. I wonder, I wonder the earth educating people about cigars. And as part of that, let's talk about pairing your cigars with drinks. So this is something over the course of about the last two years or so, we've gotten away from talking about uh, pairing as it applies to alcoholic drinks for obvious reasons that we've talked about before. Um, but this is an article that's interesting enough uh, that I think it bears you know, walking down a little bit. Well, and they basically, they break it down into three categories. They break down full, medium, and light-bodied cigars. And they recommend, it's a great graphic. It's on RoadrunnersCigars.com. I really love a good graphic. I I just love a good graphic. (laughs) You and I both, I do love a good infographic. So I do have a couple of issues with what they're talking about, but in general, it's pretty good advice. Basically, they're saying... Feel out the cigar is going to last longer than the drink. So figure out the cigar's body and flavor profiles of first before you decide what drink you're going to pair with it. And where I disagree with them is it says that, that you should match the cigar's body to the strength, the drink's strength. I couldn't say that five times fast if I wanted to. That's not always necessarily the case, I don't think. See, I tend to go the other way. If I'm going to have a strong drink, I'm going to have a lighter cigar. I don't want to overload my palate. Well, and it says, 
a strong cigar will overpower a weak drink, and a strong drink will overpower a weak cigar. They actually said that backwards. I think that was a typo. But, you know, if, if I were to have it my way, I would much rather a strong cigar overpower a weak drink than a strong drink overpower a weak cigar. Well, and if you're pairing, are you not pairing to try to elevate the experience of both? Exactly. Yeah. What This tends to be more along the lines of how to enjoy them both together without ruining your experience. And there's a very big difference between that and a true pairing. So the recommendations for full-bodied cigars, they say bourbon, heavy beer, and deep red wine. Um... Bourbon, I can get behind. I'm not a wine drinker, and I'm not I would a beer say drinker. A, a deep red wine, like a, like a Cab Sav or something like that, or a Syrah, I would say is a great choice for a full-bodied cigar. I, there was a time when I enjoyed that quite frequently. Heavy beer is tricky because not all beers are created equal. So, it, it, and it really depends on the individual. You know, uh, a Guinness is a very heavy beer, but it's very sweet. But you've got other heavy beers, uh, like your oatmeal porters, that are more bitter than they are. So you've got to look at the actual flavor components rather than just the strength. For medium-bodied cigars, they say whiskey, cognac, rum, and malt. Now, I think rum goes with any cigar. I just think good Cuban rum. Now, I'm not talking dark-spiced, honey-flavored, cinnamon, apple cherry if you got to drink all that stuff just don't drink the rum just go buy a bottle of apple juice well and also there's there's a very big difference between and and this applies to whiskey and and tequila as well but especially with rum there's a very big difference between a, a shooting liquor a mixing liquor and a sipping liquor you know we've all heard the term sipping whiskey right and there's a very big difference between rums in that category and you know the kind that you mix in your you know daiquiris and stuff so with all of these i would say if you are going to pair whiskey or rum or even vodka or something like or tequila go for what what you would consider a a sipping and 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 drink it straight not mixed with anything i don't feel like cocktails tend to play really well with cigars you know, yeah, if you're going to mix it, just mix your cigar and your liquor. You don't have to add to it. You don't have to gild the lily, so to speak. And the last, they talk about light-bodied cigar- cigars, a white wine, a Prosecco, a brandy, or a coffee. I and don't here's where I take so much exception to this thing. Why on earth, you know, coffee goes with all cigars. Coffee and cigars, regardless of the body of the cigar, always go well together. Now, granted, latte versus a red eye, there's a difference, certainly, in the intensity of the coffee. But I, I think relegating coffee to light-bodied cigars is doing a huge disservice, especially when they open this article by talking about how you need to match the strength of your cigar with the strength of your drink. Like I said, a latte is a light-bodied coffee drink, but, uh, you know, a, a double shot of espresso which, by the way, pairs phenomenally well with the Toscano Antico. Just if you want a real true, like, sit on the back porch and watch the world melt away experience, a double espresso and a Toscano will get you there. Oh, hold on. We, we're going to have to cut this entire section of the show. I just clicked on the Try Me First banner on this article, mm-hmm. and it's all machine-made cigars. It's Swisher Cigarellos. It's um, Monty Whites. It's... Um, Villagers, 
There's okay. a lot of machine-made cigars okay. being well, sold on this side. We're going to leave this in. Okay. We are going to leave that in. But it's an interesting <laughs> footnote to the segment to say it explains why we may not necessarily agree with their with their analysis based on the fact that they're working from a limited sample size as it applies to cigars. So, you've got your drink. Speaking of which, though, uh, you mentioned Villiger cigars. I gave you a machine-made Villiger last week, and I'm interested if you've smoked it yet. I haven't because it's been so cold. I've been on one cigar a day for the past week and a half. Ever since it dropped, the temperature dropped. I'm a one cigar a day guy. My my morning cigar has gone away, other than when I was hunting the other day, because it's just not it's not conducive when it's okay. this cold. When I enjoy a cigar, the environment that I enjoy sure. my cigar, and all, which leads right to our next article. So, talking about designing a bespoke cigar room, this is from Mansion Global. I wasn't aware that Mansion Global. Um, existed. <laughs> there was enough mansions that we needed a, a magazine dedicated to them. Um, if you look at the picture on the front of this, I, I personally know I'll never have a cigar room with a copper dog in it. But they put a lot of articles, of, a lot of things about how to create your cigar room. You wouldn't know. I feel like you would own a copper or bronze dog statue. That just seems like... Well, when Ace passes away, I may get him bronzed. Made in effigy. <laughs> yeah. Preserved. Get, yeah, just get him preserved. Made, bronze him so that he can sit and watch me. He can smoke with me. But the article has an interesting take because the pictures, you know, from a publication like Mansion Global, you can imagine that they're really not marketing towards your everyday Joe like you and I. Right. I mean, there's a certain amount. This is This looks a lot like if you, all right, close your eyes. And imagine the Monopoly man. Right. And then imagine with all that property and all those hotels and and houses that he's renting on Boardwalk and the type of cigar room he would have in his house. That's, you know, the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts. That's really what they're describing here. And I don't think that necessarily, or at least that's what they're showing pictures of. I want my cigar room to be comfortable first and appealing second. See, I want mine to be functional first. Comfortable second, and then appealing is well. Functional is as simple as a good ventilation system. It is, and they actually talk on on that a little bit down here. Um, think about the logistics. You know where to put it in your home. You know main floor being preferable because it's you've got better access to ventilation and things like that. Um, you know windows being helpful there. Um, it it does talk a lot about ventilation. And I never, ever plan to have a TV in my cigar room. See, that's where you and I dif- differ. But where I, where I will do think you can get on board with me on this is, yes, I will have a TV in my room, but it will, it will only tune to AMC and Turner Classic Movies. Okay. I can, I can allow that. You know, the, I watched Great Escape last night and, watched a cigar, and, and smoked a cigar. How great is that? You can enjoy You know, we, we was at Madison at the Cigar Room, and we watched The Godfather while smoking a cigar. And all, that's a great cigar movie. It Godfather, next time, we're, next time we hit cigar cinema, we've got to talk about The Godfather. Yeah, but the only cigar that would last long enough is The Digger. Well, you can smoke multiple cigars. Oh, so you're changing the rules? Or you can, or you can smoke it in segments. You don't have to watch the whole show. All right, so you start, it, you start smoking after the wedding, and then you... 
Yeah, yeah. You, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna smoke this up to the point where they shoot, you know, the Godfather, yeah. and then from there well, I'll once smoke. Once he the says, next "Take the gun, leave the cannoli," or scratch that, reverse it. Yeah, yeah. Th- then you've got to put your cigar out. So, but I do like what they say about using bright colors. I do think bright colors is a is a plus because then it doesn't feel like such a dark smoke. You know, everything in here is really earth tone. I would really love to see some bright colors. Right. Yeah, and but that's just you and I. I think that's our taste showing through. I don't like being somewhere drab. And I think, especially when you look at mahogany and leather are the two most common pieces that you'll find in a cigar smoking lounge or like that someone builds in their house. Those are both very rich, deep tones and you need something to balance that out. And a solid rule, no throw pillows. I want no throw pillows in my cigar room. But I do believe in, in blankets. Uh, as long as it's it's one that is designated specifically for that area that you don't have to worry about. Maybe bare skin rug. I, I could go bare skin rug, elk hide, something like that. Well, but I don't always smoke my cigars alone. True. And, and body temperature fluctuations being what they are, what they are when I'm comfortable, typically our executive producer isn't. So a uh, uh, blanket would have to be a must. But anyway, I do want to hit one more thing before we wrap this up because we are running long. Make sure you keep ease of cleaning in mind. This is something I think a lot of people would overlook, but it is such good advice. You're, it, the, the biggest issue with, especially let, let's say your brick and mortar and the ones that you go in and you just smell like smoke just for looking at the building or pulling in the parking lot. Oftentimes, that doesn't come down to ventilation or the number of people in the shop at a time. It comes down to how well they clean. I'm not just talking mop the floors. I'm talking about cleaning the walls and the ventilation and the rafters and things like that. Keep in mind that you are going, especially if it's an extension of your home and you don't want the smell to bleed over into the dining room, you have to be able to keep it clean. And the best way to do that is make sure it doesn't take you all day to do it. Stained concrete floors. Stained concrete has came so far. Just go stained concrete floors. You can't go wrong. And also, all right, pronounce me judgment on the Loranha. Six. Six. Absolutely. Uh, it's one of, the, one of the best compliments I can ever give a cigar is I wish there were about three more inches of it. Yeah. And I, I really wish this thing would just keep going for another 30 minutes. The Rose of Sharon Desert Rose is unbelievable. They're hard to get, but when you get your hands on one, just enjoy it. I and, mean, I, and I will say about this, to be, you said it was mostly Nicaraguan? Yeah, mostly Nicaraguan, just an um, Ecuadorian rapper. What I would not have expected out of this. Or, excuse me, Brazilian rapper. Okay. Pardon me. It's so savory. You know, I'm not getting a lot of leather. There's a little bit of spice, but it's it's that salt flavor that I'm getting out of it. It's right. very savory, and I'm loving that. And that's usually I've noticed for me in my palate when I get a cigar that has that almost like a like a well-aged, dry-aged steak. That usually is a Dominican cigar, first of all. But secondly, it's that it's that salty, savory, and that's what leads to that wonderful sort of mouthfeel aftertaste. Well, the Desert Rose is a six and three quarters all day long. It's an amazing smoke, and I think this will be the year. I think I'll go on record. I think 2019, because I put this on Facebook the other day for people to comment. 2019, I think Southern Draw is going to break the top ten. 
and all. It'll probably be the Jacobs Ladder or something like that. But I do think this is the year that Southern Draw starts getting the recognition they deserve. I don't remember. The, I don't remember you saying that, but I, I, I think you're right. I think it's. I think they've bided their time, and and it is. It could be their year. So one last thing before we sign off, I have to issue a retraction. I was wrong. This this is rare. This happens. But I was wrong. Even rarer that you admit it. Even rarer than I admit it. Last week during the podcast at Big Boys with um, Robbie, I stated that a Cuban sandwich should have salami. I was corrected by a true Cuban gentleman, a man whose family was born in Cuba who lives over here, who happened to be one of our listeners. He set me straight. A Cuban sandwich does not contain salami. So we'll be taking auditions for the new Cuban sandwich czar because clearly he has to abdicate at this point. I don't know. I don't know that that's atrocious enough for abdication. I'll just pay the fine. All right. No. I'll, just, I'll just pay the fine. I'll send it to the Cuban Sandwich Appreciation Bureau. Okay, but you're on probation. Okay, I'm on probation. And all, but thanks, everybody, for listening. How do they get a hold of us, Trey? All right, so we are available on Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast. You can also reach us at Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast, and our email address is info at thecigarcast.com. Well, thanks, for everybody, for listening. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.